Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. God's love displayed by giving His one and only Son is indiscriminate and unconditional. Everyone is invited to come out of the darkness into the light of Christ because, as Jesus said, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. So you see, this is the gospel. This is the good news. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of John. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on John chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, in a message titled, For God So Loved the World. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Jesus said, you can't see or enter the kingdom unless you're born again. So this is the answer to the question, how does this happen? Whoever believes will not perish, but have everlasting life. So whoever believes, that is the means through which we come into this new state, this new birth that Jesus is talking about, this spiritual birth, this entering into the life of God that is so radical, that is so extraordinary, that nothing compares to it. And it comes through a simple act of faith. Believe, faith, trust, they all are basically synonyms. They all are speaking of the same thing. So whoever believes in him will not perish. So this is the simple means through which people experience the new birth. God, he hasn't made it complicated. Again, Paul addresses this in in Romans 10. He says, He's speaking of of salvation. He says, it's not something that's up in heaven. He's quoting from Deuteronomy. It's not something that's up in heaven that you've got to climb up and, and bring it down to earth. It's not something that's below the earth that you've got to dig down and lay hold of it. But the word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And so believing, trusting. Now, there's there's oftentimes two responses to this message. One response is, oh, that's that's way too simple. That cannot be the way people are saved. You mean to tell me all I need to do is believe in Jesus and, and that's it, I'm saved? I I can't believe that. That's just way too simple. Surely there's something else. Surely there's something that, that I must do. Surely my works are necessary to make a contribution to this. 
And so you have that response. On the one side, it's too simple. And then sometimes on the other side, you have almost the, the opposite. Well, I, I, I just can't believe that. I mean, how, how could I even believe that? It doesn't seem fair. Why, why do I have to believe that? But either way you look at it, this is what God has stated. That this new birth that is absolutely essential, that no one can see or enter the kingdom of God without, it comes through faith, believing that God gave his one and only son. That God gave his one and only son. And, and then, of course, in the giving of his son, what's implied there is he gave his son in our place to pay the penalty for our sins as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man will be lifted up. And the promise is that for those who believe, those who trust, and, and let me just say one word about believe. Believe is not mere intellectual assent. It's not just, oh yeah, I believe that. Sure, yeah, that, that probably happened. Yeah I, yeah, I think I believe that. No, but it's, it's believing into. It, it's trusting in. Just as those Israelites, when they were bit by the serpent and had just perhaps minutes before that venom led to their death, you bet your life that when they were, they were looking for that serpent raised up on that pole, they were looking with full expectation that deliverance was going to come. And so believing in Jesus is not a casual thing. It's not a, a thing that we just sort of flippantly, yeah, I believe that. Sounds plausible. No, it's I believe that. I trust in that. And so whoever believes, whoever trusts, shall not perish, but have eternal life. Shall not perish. So here Jesus brings up the reality of, of perishing. That people are perishing. That's why he's come into the world. God loves the world, doesn't want people to perish, and therefore he sent his son into the world. There are only two possible final outcomes for human beings. Either to perish, which, although the Bible never gives us a very immediate or specific definition of what that is, talking about, as we look at the bigger picture of Scripture in its totality, what is being communicated through the term perish is to be banished from the presence of God, from his goodness and his love forever. So that's one possibility for human beings or the other possibility. The desired option is to live eternally with the God who is love. And that's 
the desire of God. That's why God sent his son into the world. He is not wanting any to perish. And not only is he not wanting any to perish, he has done everything possible short of violating our free will to keep us from perishing. I mean, isn't it true that so many people have almost the exact opposite view of God as is true of God? People don't think of God as loving the world. They think of God as if there is a God, he's an angry God. It's better to even just dismiss the idea that there's a God altogether, some would say, because we don't need a, an angry God who's going to judge people, who's going to send people to a place called hell. And that is the perspective that a number of people, a lot of people hold on God. But it's, a, it's the opposite of what is true about God. And along that line, people are thinking that God's preference is that people would go to hell, that he wants to send everybody there. But nothing could be further from the truth. He is not willing that any should perish. God desires all to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. He sent Jesus to pay the penalty of sin. He sent the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin and to draw us to Christ. He blesses our lives and orchestrates events in our lives to seek to get our attention. He exercises unimaginable patience with us in the hope that we would come to our senses and turn to him. I mean, this is really what's true about God. God goes out of his way. Have you ever had the thought about somebody, and let's just take a, a real evil person, and the thought is, man, why doesn't God judge them? Why doesn't God just take them out? Why doesn't he just rid the world of this, of this person? Why doesn't he just cast them into hell? Well, the reason is because that's not, in the end, what he really wants to do. He longs for them to turn to him. And so he's long-suffering, Peter tells us, not willing that any should perish. That's the heart of God. But with all that, the truth is more people will end up in hell, a place that was never intended for human beings than will end up in heaven. Why? Well, the remaining verses answer the question for us. But go back to verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already 
because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And this is the verdict. This is the reason why people will go to hell. Because light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. And, and of course, it's the light of the gospel that's being referred to here. But think about the light of creation. God is, has given witness to humanity of the truth of his existence through a number of different ways. Creation being the first, if you will, witness to the reality of God. And in the first chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans, he spells all of this out. That which may be known of God has been manifested to them, for God has shown it to them. His invisible attributes, his divine nature, are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made by the things that are made. Creation is a light that, that seeks to pierce through the darkness of human sin. But then there's also conscience. Everyone has a conscience. Everyone has an innate sense that some things are right and some things are wrong. And has a sense of guilt when they fail to live up to what is right. So we have the light of creation, we have the light of conscience, but now what's, what's being spoken of here is the light of the gospel. Light has come into the world. And, and of course, Jesus is the reference here to the light that's come into the world. Jesus has come into the world. But the sad and tragic thing is that people love darkness rather than light. And we see it so clearly today, don't we? But it's, it's been the case all the way along. But the further our culture detaches itself from any conviction or belief in God, we see that... Uh, we see that, that love of darkness. We see that hostility toward Jesus Christ and everything that he stands for and everything that he teaches. So people love darkness, the darkness of their pride, the darkness of their thoughts, the darkness of their will, the darkness of their hatred, the darkness of their lust. People love darkness. Now listen to this. This might blow your mind. The word loved darkness or loved, it's the word agapeo. Wow. We talk about 
agape love, right? We talk about God so loved the world. That's the same word, agape. And we've talked in depth at times about the significance of this word and how it's referring to a deep, devoted kind of a love. That's the love that people have for darkness. And listen, lest we think that that's just for those people out there, this is all people by nature. This is our state. We prefer darkness to light. We love darkness. And the only thing that makes a difference is responding to the light of the conviction of the Spirit that turns our hearts in a new direction. It's, it's God coming after us and us responding to that. That's the difference that is made. For were that not the case, we would all be out there just loving the darkness like everybody else is. See, the, the only difference between the believer and the unbeliever is we have trusted in Christ, responded to the conviction of the Spirit where others haven't. But let's always remember that just as we have, so others can as well. The ones that we sometimes want to write off, those people that love darkness, we want to, let's write them off. But let's not be too quick to do that. Because in doing that, we might have written ourselves off. But a few more things. He says, their deeds are evil. The idea that people are basically good is an idea that is utterly foreign to the Bible. Utterly foreign to the Bible. This is, this is of course, the idea behind every humanistic philosophy that people are, are basically good and that goodness just needs to be stoked. They need to be in an environment where that goodness can begin to flourish the idea that there's a spark of good in every person is not a biblical idea. It is contrary to what the Bible teaches. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. So not only does he say that people love darkness, but he says in verse 20, everyone who does evil hates the light. These are such strong words. But the, this is the reality. People hate the light. We often make the mistake of thinking that humans are somehow innocent, basically good, ignorant, or just unenlightened. We see ourselves as sick or victims rather than active collaborators with sin and Satan. But God's evaluation of the situation is that people love darkness and hate the light. So what, what is Jesus saying here? He's giving the explanation for why, even though 
there is this universal offer of salvation, why many will still perish. He's explaining to us why that is the case. But here's what we need to remember. Everyone is invited to step out of the darkness and into the light. And those of us who have done that need to be reminding others that that is God's desire. Because God's love displayed by giving his one and only son is indiscriminate and unconditional. Everyone is invited to come out of the darkness into the light of Christ because, as Jesus said, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. So you see that this is the gospel. This is the the good news. The good news is set against the backdrop of the reality of, of humankind's love for darkness and hatred of the light. But God knew all of that. And knowing all of that, he comes into the world to call out from that any and all who will respond. And that's because his love is immense. His love is, it's, it's inconceivable in many ways. It's beyond what we could even imagine, the greatness of his love. And I'll close with that, that hymn, The Love of God. And just think of this. Could we with ink the oceans fill and were the skies of parchment made? Were every blade of grass a quill and every person a scribe by trade? You get the picture? An ocean full of ink. The sky is the scroll. Every blade of grass is the quill and every human being is a scribe by trade. To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, those stretched from sky to sky. We have not known the half of the love of God. Never forget that. Never underestimate that. Remember, it's because of that that you have been born again. And remember that that same love that drew you to this new life in Christ is extended to all who ever will. Let him come and drink. For the month of May, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled 
Basic Christianity by John Stott. In our increasingly global culture, issues of social justice are frequently headlined in all the major news outlets. But one universal topic is just as frequently avoided, the universal ramifications of the unpopular subject, sin. Sin has enslaved all humanity, and the imagery of slavery appropriately captures the effects that sin has upon all of us. It destroys relationships, families, societies, and nations. Sin affects every social structure within our global culture, and the Bible only gives one hope for the abolition of the consequences of sin. And John Stott presents this hope clearly in this month's resource. If you have recognized the consequences of sin in your own life and are longing for freedom from both its grasp and its consequences, or if you know somebody who has, you need to get this month's resource from Back to Basics. The book Basic Christianity by John Stott is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of John. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.